This is one of the best, honestly. Really one of the best. It's simple. It's a simple idea, but it's good. And I think you can make a lot of money. And it all really revolves around convenience. So I was saying, even before the coronavirus, even before this whole debacle of the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever it is, I I always said, this is literally the best time in history to be a shut-in because you can have everything you need delivered right to your door by Amazon, by Uber Eats, um, by the other food delivery things, grocery delivery. And I really think that like, convenience now is even is the probably one of the most important things that people look for so just like i just said look at the rise of amazon with all the delivery things people have less time now than they ever have they perceive that they have less time now than they ever have um and it, i think it's important to look at trends like that and to to craft what you're doing in your own business around that, or if you're looking to start a business to craft it around trends like that and convenience. I mean, that's always been important, but now I think it's more important than ever. People are willing to pay like a premium to not be bothered uh, to not have to do stuff. Um, you know, we were just talking about in the last episode about like a lawn business and that's really, it's all about convenience because people don't even want to like take 45 minutes to an hour to go mow which I get, like if you're, if you're working all the time, commuting, I mean, Omaha, the commute is like nothing, but I know other places like people commute. It's like unbelievable. They live in their car or they live on the subway or the train or whatever. So I get the convenience thing for sure. And this is like a good play on convenience today's idea. And this is what I had a, a, a little while ago and I was t- I was really thinking today a lot about like trying to come up with like a good new idea for uh, this episode. And I was thinking about convenience and I was like, I was talking to my mom on the phone and we were talking about another idea I have and she didn't really like it that much. But then I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, I have this other idea and it's teleplumbing and it's good for convenience. It's good for like cost reduction it's good for everyone. It's a win-win-win. Those are the best businesses, right? Where everyone wins. So <clears throat> the idea is teleplumbing. So I think now we're all getting real used to doing things like over um, Zoom, over the internet, over Skype, over FaceTime, you like to have a meeting. And now you hear a lot about like teledoctor or like tele it's mostly like a teledoctor's appointment where you like call in and like, I, I'm, you know, so that you can see them face to face or whatever. And I thought of this a while ago it was teleplumbing. And I know I'm like a little obsessed with plumbing. I'm obsessed with like building trade businesses because I own a remodeling business. So a lot of times these are going to be, centered around that. But I think this could like lend itself to other businesses, the concept, right? So I'll go over like pretty much like what this idea entails. And then like, let's say maybe you're not a plumber, maybe you're a auto body or not auto body, but like you're a mechanic or you're this or that or something. This is something you can like a business you can run literally from your couch. Um, 
And I think you can make good money doing it because it plays off convenience. It plays off of like saving people money. So I'll just get into it. I'm, I'm already hyping it more. I'll just get into it. So I, my plumber, it's him and his wife and his wife takes all the phone calls basically and does all of the scheduling. And she was telling me a lot of times people will call in and and she'll um, kind of ask them what they need. And they'll like get really into like, all the detailed stuff of like what they need done and like what's going on. So they'll be like, well, my, my uh, toilet is like doing this when I flush and they'll flush the toilet while she's on the phone and be like, and they'll say, can you like hear that? Like, is that normal? Well, my plumber's wife isn't a plumber. Number one, number two, like she can't hear it over the phone, but that like kind of sparked an idea for me. I was like, Oh, like what if you could have a, a plumbing service where people could like call in and like do a FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever. And the plumber could help them like diagnose or like fix the problem like over the phone. So my dad used to be a plumber like a long time ago for a while when he was a kid basically. And so he knows how to do like a lot of things. He doesn't know how to do everything. Um, but he's like never going to call a plumber and say like, Hey, can you like come fix this toilet for me? Like he's going to figure it out himself. But there's so like, there's a lot of people who are like kind of handy. Like I know how to do like a lot of things. Like I can do like a lot of like carpentry. I can do like a lot of stuff, but I don't know how to like do like a ton of plumbing stuff. So this would be like perfect for me. Cause I like had a lot of the tools and someone could explain it to me and like, show me how to do it like over like a tele thing. Um, and help me do it. So, so I'll just give it to you like from if I need to use the teleplumbing service. So like, let's say my toilet is making like a weird sound and I know it's like running, I can't figure it out, but I don't want to call a plumber, but like I heard about this teleplumbing thing. So I'll call them and they can help me kind of like diagnose and figure out the problem and show me how to fix it like over video, number one. So it's really convenient for me. And then number two, um, it's only going to cost me like a fraction of calling a plumber. So like maybe calling a plumber in your area is like a minimum charge of 180 bucks. So the teleplumber, what you would do is it would only cost the consumer like 40 bucks for the first 15 minutes to call in and get help with their plumbing problem. And then anything after 15 minutes would be an additional charge like per minute. And that's something you could work out in the back end. It doesn't matter right now. For the purposes of this idea, it doesn't matter. So let's say in our example, it's a $40 for you to call in and use the teleplumbing service for the first 15 minutes. And then let's say it's a dollar a minute after that. So what would it make that? It would make it like 80, 85, I think. Don't correct my math. So it's 85 bucks like per hour instead of 180. So it's great for the consumer. Um, it's good for you as like the business owner. And the other thing is, um, let's say you're a consumer and you call in and you're like, here's my problem. And it's something that like the plumber's like, you can't fix this. Like you need to like call a plumber in your local area. What I would do as like the owner of the teleplumbing company is I would like have a network of people I could give referrals to so that I could be like, Hey, we have somebody in Modesto, California that we like work with that we can like refer you to. So, so that way as the owner of the teleplumbing company, you like get a referral to. So, so that's kind of what it looks like on the consumer's end. 
So at, on your end as the, the business owner, I already know what you're saying. You're saying like, well, Zach, I'm not a plumber. Well, you don't have to be. Okay. All you need to do is you need to like employ people who are plumbers and make sure they know how to use their phone or use their computer so they can do. I would just like have um, like maybe Zoom or Skype or something. You can figure out like that part on your own. So what I would do is I would get like a basically like a stable of plumbers. And what I would do is I would look for plumbers that are like retired or semi-retired because there's a lot of like older plumbers right now. And and if you could go to them and say, hey, um, I'm opening this like teleplumbing business and um, you can pick the days of the week you want to work. And basically you're just going to be on call and I'll pay you, um, I'll pay you like whatever, 20 bucks or 18 bucks an hour to be on call. And then for every call you get, I'll give you like 20 bucks for the first 15 minutes or like work it out something like that. So like they get like a base pay to be on call and then like a bonus to like take calls and like help people out. So again, you're kind of like partnering with them. They would be like contract employees. And then I would maybe like, you're, you're going to kind of know like what days of the week you're going to have more or less calls or whatever. And, and, um, you would just route it to whatever plumber is available. So it's like a really straight up, like simple, clean business. And what I would do is I would have the plumbers, like, I would kind of like put them through like a training thing where it's like, after a while, you're going to know kind of, this is like the most, um, this is like the most common call or like the most common thing, like a running toilet or something to do with the toilet. And I would kind of have them, um, have them like kind of have some props, like different tools or like different things like close in their house where they can be like, here's what you need. You need one of these so they can show the person that they're talking to. Um, so I would kind of like coach them a little bit on like how, um, how to do those things. But I think it's like a really good idea. It's really clean. It's really, it's super simple. I mean, you could find tons of like semi-retired or retired plumbers that um, can do that. And I think people would love it because right now there's like, if it's so hard to get a plumber to come to your house. I mean, even for me, like my plumbers are like backed up like a couple weeks, you know, and I pay them. They know that when they like deal with me, that there's not going to be any bullshit and it's still hard to get them. So I think this is great. And, And a lot of people like, they're open to like kind of learning, but they don't want to just like, it's hard to watch a YouTube video and like, because you can't, you don't get any questions answered, but like if you call and talk to a plumber and show a plumber something on video, they're going to help you be, be able to do like a lot of different stuff around your house that you don't necessarily need a plumber for. So I think it's a really good play. I think it's really simple. I mean, someone could start this like next week and you could do it full time. You might even be able to like find out a way where you could do kind of like a four hour work week thing. Um, and like kind of like outsource a lot of like the back end, like have a call service and then like have the call service route the plumbers, um, like take a form of payment and then like route the calls to the plumbers. So I I think it could be really good for somebody um, who wanted to get into something like that. And the other good thing about this is, and, um, is like you can do this and you can be anywhere in the whole world, right? So I know that there's a lot of people, I have a lot of like people who listen, they're like in India or like Bangladesh or whatever. If you speak good enough English to like recruit plumbers to do this for you and you can like, it's and, and it's legitimate and you pay them, you could literally do this anywhere in the whole world because I don't think you'd need a plumbing license for this because it's mostly just like uh, 
uh, it's mostly going to be basically like maintenance stuff. So anyway, I think that's really, really good. People, people love that stuff. So <clears throat> that's the idea. Um, that's really, this hasn't taken very long at all. I mean, this is a pretty, like, this is a short episode, I think, but no, we good. We good. Um, so, uh, shifting gears a little bit. I want to talk to you about today, today's deal, uh, deal of the week. I call it a week, but you get it. And what it is, is, uh, hold on. I have a computer problems here. Yo. And what it is, is it's a commercial airflow management company, and it's in San Bernardino, California. I haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm just basically finding these companies, like I said, kind of in the first episode, I'm obsessed with looking at companies that are for sale. I'm just finding these companies on like public websites that have um, businesses listed for sale. So... That's why I'm giving you like pretty limited information because I'm just reading you stuff off of the teaser. Um, I don't have access to obviously like all of the information. Like you would have to contact the seller selling agent. So I'm just giving you like the 10,000 um, foot like overview of everything. So that's why it's uh, I'm not giving you like all the like financials and all of the details because all the details aren't on here. But it's a commercial airflow management company. It's based out of San Bernardino, California. And uh, not surprising, if you want to buy a business in California, there's a lot of people who want to sell their business in California and leave because of the taxes. But if you're open, if you like California, if you live in California and you love it and you never want to move, or you're open to moving to California, you can find some good deals. And I think that this is like a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good um, business model. And what they do is they've been in business for 20 years. And the company specializes in airflow management and duct cleaning. <clears throat> but the projects are 100% commercial buildings, no residential. So it's like an air duct cleaning business, but for resi- or, uh, but not for residential stuff. It's 100% commercial buildings. So they do about 44% healthcare care uh, healthcare, 23% HVAC contracting and some government and university work. It's well-respected in its market and poised for growth. Now, not a lot of people know this, but large commercial buildings, especially, especially hospitals, office buildings, things like that, where there's people working in universities, they have to get their air, air management equipment cleaned, cleaned out. Because if you don't, people in the building can get I think it's called Legionnaire's disease. And I think it's because of like a mold or different things that like build up in the air moving stuff. So like you have, if you, you, you have to, if you have a building, especially a healthcare facility, you have to get your ducts cleaned. It's not up for negotiation. So, oh yeah. The other thing is, um, this thing is, uh, they're asking $2.5 million and it cash flows 905,000 a year, gross revenue of three, a little over 3.6 like I said, it's been established for, uh, they started it in 2000. <clears throat> so that's kind of the highlights of it. And unlike a regular, like residential air duct cleaning business, you do have to have some contracting license. They have a number of contracting licenses that they operate uh, in California under. Um, they have a, a staff of 19 people, 13 of which are union. Um, and the owner is selling it to pursue other opportunities. 
um, which we'd have to you'd have to find out obviously what all the opportunities are. Um, they operate out of a five thousand square uh, foot facility um, that's partially administrative, partially warehouse space. They are obviously going to do a carry back to a fifteen percent carry back. Um, the owner is is ready to retire. So I guess we're already getting some con- conflicting information right in the listing. Um, the active owner is ready to retire, but is willing to stay post-close and work for the company for a year or more if needed to help the transition. So that's good. Oh, and it also says reason for retire- uh, reason for selling, retirement. So there's some conflicting information on there. But anyway, I like this um, business. I think that's uh, simple. It makes sense. People have to use it. Uh, these bu- uh, buildings and businesses have to get their ducks clean. So it gets really good. It is listed by, uh, let me look here. It's listed by uh, John Wavrum at Exit Consulting Group. They are, uh, I believe, in California. Their number there is 619-990-4770. Um, if you'd like additional information, just shoot me an email and I will send you additional information on this business so you can contact John and hopefully um, get more information. So that's the deal of the week. I think that's a pretty good one too. Um, so here are my three critiques for this episode. <clears throat> so this one's a little bit different. So the first one is somebody wants to start a business. The second one is someone asking me about buying a business. And the third one is asking me about a part-time job. Normally I wouldn't talk to you about a part-time job, but this is more of a, not really a part-time job, but um, well, let's just start with that one. So this, this guy I know is asking me, should I start part-time driving for Uber and Lyft? Uh, no, I would not do that. I would not tear my vehicle up and um, have college kids throwing up in my vehicle and be driving around all night and taking the risk of having, of getting in a crash with somebody. No, for nothing. You base Uber and Lyft basically pay you nothing. I would not get involved in that at all. It doesn't make any sense to me to do that. If you're going to do that part-time, why don't you just get a job at McDonald's part-time? Because you're going to like, there's, I've read some studies or some, I guess there are studies, and just some like anecdotal evidence about driving for Uber and Lyft. Because I was like, well, this is like way at the beginning. I was like, would that be like a good, like something to do? Like if you were bored, like just pick somebody up for an extra like 20 bucks. No, dude. There's there's actually, you might actually lose money. There's ways that you could actually lose money. First of all, I got an Uber once from the airport in Omaha to my house. Um, and it was like the middle of the night and I don't know if the guy wasn't like from Omaha, but he was like following his GPS and he literally took like the longest route possible. Number one, number two, was like driving a suburban. So it was like, I don't think you're making any money, dude. Like this doesn't make sense. So driving for Uber. No, don't get involved in that. So the second one that we're going to critique And this like blows my mind. This is like another thing with, this goes back to convenience and it's a personal shopper. And I've never like investigated a personal shopper. I was like, I kind of knew what a personal shopper was like, because my aunt 
I hate like going Christmas shopping, which sounds really, really bad, but I don't like it. I'm a shitty gift giver because I just like stuff money and put it into an envelope for people. So I like really, really struggle with that. But my aunt like gets like the coolest gifts for people, like really thoughtful, really like neat. So one year she was like, if you want me to, I can just be your personal shopper. And I was like, no, like that's so cheesy. What are you going to like? I mean, no, I don't like that. So I never really like thought about it as like starting it as a business or like doing it as like a kind of like a sole proprietor gig or whatever. So this person asked me about it and I started looking into it and it's like a real thing. Like being a personal shopper is like a real thing, which I didn't know. So I read up on it. I I ran across a story on Vanity Fair, which I put on my Facebook um, page. It's Zach Herger at Idea Addict on Facebook. You can go check it out. And this, these people, this lady in this article is a personal shopper for, um, like executives, um, people that basically have a lot of money, but they have no time. And what she does is she goes and she does like, she goes on like one of them, like example out of it was the lady, the personal shopper needed to go buy like, um, gifts for, this guy, all of this guy is all the secretaries in this guy's like corporation that he was the CEO of. So it was like a large amount of, of people to buy gifts for. It was about 45 people to buy gifts for. And the, this personal shopper that this guy hired charged either $400 per hour or a percentage of the shop, the final shopping bill, whichever was greater. And I couldn't find in the, um, I couldn't find in the article what the actual, sorry, I couldn't find in the article what the actual percentage that she charged was, but it was obviously very high because I think in the article it said that she made like multiple six figures a year. Obviously, if you're if you're making four hundred dollars an hour and you're make, working forty hours a week, see what that is. Uh, that's like $770,000 a year. Obviously, as a personal shopper, you're probably not working 40 hours a week, but that's like forty $400 an hour. That's ridiculous. Now, obviously, this goes back to like what I've kind of preached before is like you can make any idea if it's a good idea. Obviously, you can't be total shit. You can make any good – you can make a, a lot of money working any idea – if you present it to the right, um, the right prospects, right? So if you're in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're like doing people's Christmas shopping for them, and it's just Joe Schmo off the street, obviously you can't charge $400 an hour. But if you can get into the inner circle of people that have a lot of money in Omaha or in any other medium to large city, um, you can make good money doing this, especially if you're good at like finding gifts that make the person you're buying them for look good um, and you're reliable, I think that it's a viable, um, a viable business. And if you're in, if you're making anywhere near $400 an hour, you don't have to keep your schedule that booked. Right. So, and that's something that I would definitely start. I would look at starting that like part-time and then trying to build it up into full-time. So, um, okay. The last one is somebody, a, a person I know asked me about buying a restaurant and anytime you're talking about business ideas, restaurants just come out of the woodwork, even though I hate, re- I, I don't hate restaurants, 
we'll get into like, we'll just do a whole restaurant episode so I can break everything down about restaurants for you. So this is kind of like a diner. Um, I'm not going to tell you what state it's in because you could possibly find it, which I don't want you to do. The asking price of the, of this restaurant is $2.5 million. So you think that, wow, this is going to be impressive. No, it only cash flows 296,000 bucks a year. Has a gross revenue of 1.6 established in 1980, which I do like the people are selling it because they're retiring. I like it because it's one of the, it, it, this town it's in isn't very big and it's on the interstate and it's away from other large metropolitan areas and it's open late night and it's kind of like a diner. It has like breakfast all day. Uh, um, they make their own desserts and cinnamon rolls and, and stuff like that. So it's like kind of comfort food. Um, it has 30 employees, which that's just the way restaurants are. I mean, you have to have lots of employees, right? So I don't like that. Um, they're staying on to train, but I don't think so. Like 2.5. And the reason it's 2.5 million is because they're, they're including real estate in the sale, which I don't like. I don't like that because then you're even, even though you can like collateralize that and get a loan for it or whatever, I have a hard time paying $2.5 million for something that makes less than $300,000, right? Because it's going to take you a long, like a long time to pay that off. I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. The other thing is like the town could like, it's the town isn't very big. Okay. It's like the town is about 50 to 70,000 people. So the town could dry up. Number one, number two, like what happens if it's on, this is on the interstate. So what happens if like they put in like uh, a big uh, gas station that also has like restaurants in it or a gas station that like makes their own f- food, like a quick trip or a come and go or like a something like that. So I don't really like that. I, I think it's just too much money. If you want a restaurant, I like the idea of getting a restaurant. The one thing I do like about this is it sounds like that this restaurant's like pretty entrenched in the community. Like it, not only are you pulling people off the interstate, but you're pulling a lot of people out of the community to this restaurant, which is a huge positive, right? I think if you're going to buy a restaurant, you have to buy something that like people have been going to and their parents went to and it's been around a long time and people know it and like it and trust it. That's the best reason to like buy a restaurant. And I think that that this restaurant has a lot of that. And I told the guy like, this might be good, but see if they'll do like an owner carry back for the land or so, I don't know. Like I, I just don't like it. I think it's too much money for what you're getting. So that's my critique of that. And that's like a real specific thing. So, but I just want anyone who's looking at buying a restaurant to really do their research and really think it through because a restaurant has a lot of hard work. It can be a disaster, but like, there are some restaurants that like print money. Like there are some restaurants that are like fantastic businesses. So if you really have your heart set on buying a restaurant, just make sure you like buy a winner and there are winners out there. So anyway, that wraps it up. That's like a super short episode. I feel like the last two episodes were like an hour and this was like 30 minutes, less than 30 minutes, but this is like a, just a quickie over lunch. Right? So if you guys want a business, a business idea or a business purchase critiqued, 
shoot me an email, theideaaddict at gmail.com. Or let's say you want some business ideas that suit you personally, uh, shoot me an email and I'll, I'll uh, do it up for you. So till next time.